Took a peek downfield, had a lot of room, and breaks a tackle, and is still running. Lawrence in a foot race. Will they catch him? Touchdown, Tigers! Fields to throw, steps up, delivers deep down the field. He's got a receiver. A long touchdown, Buckeyes! And a handoff and straight ahead. Good there goes Chuba. One man to beat. Can he catch him? No, Hubbard. 84 yards, touchdown. Football fans to Prospects 101. And as always, we're brought to you by Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Now, this is the show where we discuss and analyze football prospects on all levels high school, college. We talk NFL draft. We talk prospects in 2021, 2022, and all beyond. So, we're glad to have you here today. Uh, and as always, you can follow the show and interact with us on social media. That's at Prospects 101 Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also join us on Discord uh, as well. Um, my name is Brandon Glessner. I'm gonna be your host for the show today. And as always, I am brought to you, as I'm sorry, I'm brought to you, but I'm also joined by one of my two co-hosts, Brandon Pastel. What's up guys? Gentlemen, did you know the last three first overall picks were all transfer quarterbacks? Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, all transfers. Is this next year going to continue that trend with either Justin Fields or Jamie Newman, or will Trevor Lawrence finally break that trend for the first time in five years? That transfer portal, it's so hot right now. <laughs> it's so, so hot. Like, right it's now. like Hansel, so hot right it's like, now. It's, it's like Hansel, so hot right now. And that kind of leads me into my second co host, Kenny Keller. Why don't you say hi to the people? Hey, what's up, everyone? So I have a question. Is there a new running back you in football? Hmm. I think my sleeper might answer that question later on. <laughs> mm, interesting. Nice little teaser there. I like that, Kenny. Uh, anyways, thanks for joining us here. We got a great show for you uh, planned out, and it's actually going to be the first part of a, a, a long series for us. You know, as we kind of think about topics that we can talk about, you know, there's no spring football going on right now, um, as evidenced by my beard. What about <laughs> you guys? My, I, I can see that, and obviously you guys aren't seeing us, because uh, we're not on video, but I haven't shaved my beard in about seven weeks, and, and, and it's getting bad, and it's getting hot, and usually in the spring I do that, and uh, but it's because we're quarantined, right? I, fi I, mean, it's, I it's finally, Gless, I finally broke down and shaved my mustache. I know you can see it now, I'm mustacheless, I but I had a mustache for about uh, a little over a month, and it was getting pretty ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm running out of, I also can't find like clippers either like i go on amazon and they're like six weeks it's going to take to get to me so i'm like well i mean oh yeah might as well just let this grow out until i can go outside again Glass, and dude, watch you need to just shave that prospects thing, play in college football man i mean come on <laughs> craziness anyways I, I i i digress uh anyways a, a long series that we're gonna do and we're gonna take a look at the top five pros college prospects for the nfl in our opinion at each position, uh, but we're actually going to go ahead and group them together. So tonight uh, on this show, we'll do quarterbacks and running backs together. So 
each all five of us mm-hmm. are, I'm sorry all each each three of us have <laughs> our top five positions for quarterbacks and then running back prospects that are going to be eligible for the 2021 draft and again they just everybody listening out there I just want to want everybody to know that this is not where we believe they will go in the draft. If this was a mock draft, if we were Mel Kuyper, we would definitely be doing this live on YouTube. I'd be slicking back whatever hair I had, you know. Kenny would have I'm... coronavirus like Todd McShay, you know. Brandon would be giving out hot takes, you know. I, we, I, we may get a bunch of hot takes today, so I don't know. Um, but again, these are our personal rankings where we, you know, how we see the talent. And that's why people listen to the show is because we feel like we actually know what we're talking about. So we're going to break all that stuff down. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it, guys. And, and Pasto, why don't we kick it off with you with this quarterback class? Kind of give me your initial thoughts on this quarterback class and then go ahead and break down your top five. Yeah, so I would argue this has one of the greatest prospects in, in history. And we knew about him since high school, and that's obviously Trevor Lawrence. Joe Burrow could have been one of the greatest prospects, but we just found about him his senior year at LSU. But the overall theme, I think, with this draft class is a lot of boom or bust and a lot of similar quarterbacks that the question is, can they develop their accuracy and their progressions to be in that next tier of the Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence? So with that, I'm going to kind of just jump into my rankings with number five being Trey Lance, this redshirt sophomore for, from North Dakota State University. And at the end of the day, he's a winner. All that dude does is win and win national championships, and he's probably going to win another one this year. Um, he's a dynamic dual-threat quarterback. Hasn't, didn't throw an t- interception at all last year. Uh, great, great deep ball. Um, and he's kind of, crazy as it sounds, kind of Alvin Kamara-like. He's just hard to bring down. He just slips through arm tackles, uh, which is very, very rare for a quarterback, even though he is 6'3", 220. The fourth quarterback, uh, Tanner Morgan. Honestly, I see a lot of uh, – Andy Dalton comparisons with him. Um, I think he's an extremely accurate, uh, very competitive uh, player. And thankfully for him, he's got uh, Rashad Bateman coming back for his uh, for, for this next upcoming year. Number three, I got Jamie Newman, who I think is very similar to Trey Lance. He has a very great deep ball. Uh, he's very athletic, dynamic, dual threat quarterback. But his intermediate passes have a lot to desire. He's very, very inaccurate in the games that I saw him last year. Um, but the potential was the roof and that's why he comes in number three at this point I think if he can bring that together which he will get coached up at the in the Georgia offense and that pro style offense which hopefully uh, will make him a better prospect for, uh, for the 2021 NFL draft and then it's a two-headed monster up top and you got Justin Fields which had an insane year which finished uh, had him finishing number three in the Heisman last year uh, but extremely efficient with the ball and not only was he a, a dual threat quarterback but only had three interceptions. That's one thing a lot of people didn't realize uh, from him last year. He was very, very effective and uh, didn't make too many turnovers as a starting quarterback, first-year starting quarterback uh, for Ohio State. And then, of course, number one. Uh, this guy had a pedigree coming in to college, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he's won. He's only lost one game. That's arguably versus the best football team. Some people would argue the best football team ever, and that's this of past year's yeah. LSU. Uh, and that's the only game that he lost. Every other game, he's won to include high school. Um, and the greatest thing about him is he's super competitive. I mean, don't piss this kid off because as soon as you piss him off, he's going to come back with vengeance. That's so, like the, uh, the Ohio yeah. State game, the Ohio State game where he got hit and they thought he was hurt. And remember, they were like the Ohio State side was all ch- chirping and like clapping. So Ohio State was winning, weren't they? Yeah, and they were, and and, he, and Trevor got hurt. He got knocked up. He got um, nicked up a little bit. 
and all the Ohio State guys started chirping at him, and then he got off onto the sideline, was pissed off, and then just went ham the rest of the game. <laughs> it, was, it was. I think that was. I think he ran for like that. What that seventy, eighty yard touchdown run yep. right after that. Yeah. And that's the other thing so, about him is he had almost six hundred yards rushing for nine TDs last year. Uh, the guy, yeah. he's he's a dual threat in his own. He's yeah, probably he's better sne- than Justin Fields, honestly. Yeah, he's sneaky athletic. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and I'll get into Lawrence, and, and I'm sure Kenny, I mean, we're all going to cover those top two guys. I don't think it's a shocker for anyone. But, but Brandon, I want to go back to a guy that you mentioned earlier because he is not on either of Kenny, nor he's not on my list either. Yeah. And that's Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. Had a fantastic season last year. Last year, um, 30 touchdowns, seven picks, extremely high quarterback rating of 178 or uh, 178. Completion percentage is 66%. Talk a little bit more about this kid because it, it, it's the Big Ten. He plays, uh, you know, he plays in Minnesota, which is certainly not a hotbed for NFL talent. Kind of break him down a little bit more because I, I'm not sold on this guy at the next level, but but. I have not watched a lot of Tanner Morgan. Well, so don't forget. For, for, beat, and, and especially the, our listeners who may have not watched a lot of him either. Well, if you don't forget, he beat Auburn last year in the Outback Bowl. So, And people thought Auburn was a top 10 football team last year. And that defense was absurdly good. Um, and he beat them. So this kid, he is extremely competitive. And I say that like, he came in, I think, underweight as a freshman at Minnesota, weighing like a buck 95, 200. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle in like the last year. Um, so you can, you can tell he's a workout uh, a gym rat in the offseason. Uh, he's only 6'1", 215 pounds, which I think people lead to believe that his arm strength isn't there. But when you actually watch and break down the, the film, he has a very easy throwing motion, and he flicks that ball 50, 50 yards down the field. I don't need a quarterback to throw at 70, so he's never going to do that. But his accuracy improved from 59% to 66% this past year. So you see that development not only in the, the gym by adding that weight, but you see it in the accuracy that he's developed uh, in this past year. Not to mention, he won, what was it, 10 games, 11 games last year? So the he guy's won a winner. Too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. not only is he accurate, uh, he develops his reads. He's also very mobile. So that's the one downfall, I think, with him is uh, I think he thinks he's more athletic than what he actually is. So he'll let the play develop. He'll run around a little bit. Then he'll force throws that he probably should have just thrown away. Um, or he'll get sacked in the backfield because yeah. he held onto the ball too long. So I think once he kind of – learns to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker, uh, I think you see his stock possibly even rise. Because I'm not necessarily sold on Jamie Newman either. I think, like I said, after Justin Fields, it's really up for grabs on who that third, fourth quarterback is going to be. But I think with Tanner Morgan, like I said, accurate. He understands the game. He's super competitive. And he's only gotten better every single year. And he has one of the best, if not the best, receiver in football coming back in Rashad Bateman. Yeah, and that's a very good point. I think what Minnesota's done is they've put a lot of good talent around them. You know, last year you had Rodney Smith at running back. You had Muhammad Ibrahim at running back. You had, uh, like you said, uh, Rashad Bateman and then Tyler Johnson as well. Like there was a lot, a lot of offensive talent on that team. And so I'm curious if if those numbers, because they're going to have to replace Rodney Smith. They're going to have to replace uh, Tyler Johnson. So I'm really curious as if if those numbers are going to stay the same, if they're going to fluctuate. You know what happens there because he, every you got to remember, like yeah, he kind of he kind of had this big jump from his freshman to sophomore year, but he was beaten out as a freshman by Zach Axelrod, and Zach Axelrod ended up getting hurt, and then Tanner got hurt, and then Axelrod got hurt, and they kind of just played this game on game off kind of thing his freshman year. Now obviously he ends up beating Axelrod out last year. Um, 
having a fantastic season, one of the best seasons in Minnesota history. I'm just curious as if there's going to be any kind of regression or where we're looking, where, where it's going to go. I'm not completely sold on him, but I do like his makeup, and I do like how he led that offense. Yeah, I think the other one good thing that I've noticed, and the one thing I love about Joe Burrow, is his ability to create time in the pocket while keeping his eyes downfield. And that's the other thing I saw uh, with Tanner Morgan, was his, able, his ability to buy time, but still keeping his eyes downfield, to uh, mm-hmm. not looking just tuck it and run, uh, which I think is like a great quality. And it's one of those things that you, that presence Absolutely. in the pocket and you can't teach that. I mean, yep. guys either have it or they don't. And he's well, one it's, of the few quarterbacks that does have it without the natural ability like the Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence is out there. Yeah, it's just I, like Tua I, I, in the national championship game uh, a couple of years yeah. ago, looking the safety off and hitting um, hitting um, oh uh, Ridley's younger brother in the end zone for the win. Yep. So, Calvin I mean, Ridley. you can't – yeah, you can't teach that. Calvin Ridley's – yeah, uh, you, can't, you can't teach that at all. I think what I really like about him is he played really well this past season in big games, guys. If you look at the – I mean, we can run down the list. Penn State quarterback uh, QBR of 98.9 against Iowa, 90. Northwestern, 94. The bowl game, you had 88. Um, you know, I, I would say the only real blip he had on the radar would have been against Wisconsin on that, that, that season finale. Um, you know, struggled, struggled a little bit there. Um, wasn't awful. You know, he was pressured a ton, you know, five sacks and all that. But all in all, I, I, I kind of go with Brandon. I, I think he's a I think he's a winner. I think he's a guy that is extremely competitive and, you know, can really kind of lead his team. I think I need to see a little bit more from him to get up there. Uh, and again, he, he's kind of a little bit brand new. Uh, not to me, but he's going to be a, a brand new to a lot of listeners because Tanner Morgan certainly wasn't in the Heisman conversation. So, you know, the, the mainstream doesn't really know about him a whole lot. Um, you know, anybody talked about, you know, when anybody talked about Minnesota, they talked about, you know, PJ Fleck. They didn't really talk about any of the players, which, which I thought was, was interesting. So I, I think that's a, it's a decent pick there. I, I think he's got to have a big uh, 2020 season to really be considered, um, you know, kind of for that third spot, because as you, as you said, you know, the quarterback's, Outside of Lawrence and Fields, I mean, kind of, kind of put any any one of these guys here. It's really kind of unknown. And 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 you know, Kenny, I'll kind of kick it over to you to go over your list, and and you'll kind of confirm that, right? Because you know, you have the the same top three, but your three, four, five are certainly different. Yeah. So uh, starting at five for me, I have KJ Costello, quarterback from Mississippi State. And uh, if you guys listened to our episode last week, you know he was our prospect to our, our prospect to know last week and I really like him man he's he's a big guy he's an accurate thrower he he was one of the highest statistically proficient quarterbacks in the Pac-12 two years ago uh, at Stanford who runs a traditional pro-style offense so it's not like you can claim his, he's a system guy he was in a pro-style system and out there putting up big numbers um, obviously last year he got hurt he had a concussion a broken thumb on his throwing hand and he really only got to play five games and, and they weren't even really the healthiest five games so you know his stock is kind of lower right now I think in most people's eyes but now he gets in Mississippi State. He gets in a very quarterback-friendly offense uh, there with with Mike Leach. And here's the thing: we talked about. I, I harped on this a lot last week. This is a guy who's going to have an opportunity to show that he he's already shown that he can play in a pro-style offense. Now he gets to go in an air raid system and absolutely unleash. And if he's highly successful, if he continues that trend of quarterbacks that Mike Leach has been able to coach up, I think that's a huge feather in his cap. So for me. 
I think his potential right there has him at number five. Number four, I had Trey Lance. Pastel hit the nail on the head earlier. He didn't throw any interceptions throughout the regular season last year. He's undefeated. He won a national championship. He kept that long lineage of excellence at North Dakota State going. And what's crazy to me is they play in a pro-style offense, and he still ran for 1,100 yards. Like, like this wasn't a this isn't an offense where he's dropping yeah. back and 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 you know having the option to run on every play. Now they, I'm sure they had some designed quarterback they, runs. They did. They 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 did a lot more than they would do with e, uh, Easton Stick or certainly right. Car, Carson Wentz. I mean, they had him in the shotgun a good amount, probably right. a lot more than a North Dakota State team generally is. But what I like about him is he's able to get under center and still ball out too, yep, which is cool. That's a that's a huge. So he's he's a very He's a very intriguing prospect in terms of his malleability. Like they run him out of the shotgun, they run him out of the you know they run him in a spread, they run him in a pro style, and he's been able to handle it with effortlessly. So I think for me, he's four with a with an arrow pointing up. Uh, he might have the have the highest ceiling of most of the quarterbacks in this draft outside of Trevor Lawrence. To be honest, my number three is Jamie Newman. Uh, obviously, uh, you know I might be a little bit more biased than most. I'm Wait. a huge. Yeah, I'm a Wake huge Wake Force fan. Yeah, huge Wake Force fan. He was big for us last year. Um, you know, statistically one of the best seasons in Wake Forest history. And and very poised. That was the one thing I loved about Jamie Newman. And, and outside of the stats, outside of how he ran the offense, because Dave Clawson runs kind of a unique RPO offense with how long their mesh point is, and uh, it's pretty interesting. But what 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 the moment was never too big for him. Like if you look at some of the games that we won, and we won a lot of tight games yeah. last year. Utah State. And, yeah, Utah State, which was huge. I mean, that was that was a fourth down play where if he doesn't throw a touchdown on that play, it's over. Like, the game's over. We won that. And it just seemed like every time he had an opportunity to put the team ahead or to score to keep the game going. I know we didn't win the Louisville game, but, you know, the defense gave up 60-some points. We put up 59. Every time he had to answer, he answered. So, it, it that to me, that was the most impressive thing about Jamie Newman. I think his mental game is very strong. I think he's a very uh, athletic quarterback for his size. He's six four, two thirty. Um, he was a dual threat kind of guy, and has a cannon for an arm. Has a strong arm. Has good accuracy. He needs to work a little bit on his intermediate game, um, but you know that can be taught. I think that stuff. He has things that can't be taught, which has why he has him at number three. My number two, Justin Fields. I don't know how much more can be said about Justin Fields. He transfers from Georgia after uh, you know sitting behind Jake Fromm most of oh, his freshman year and just absolutely lights it up at Ohio State. He didn't throw his first interception until they played Clemson in the semifinal. Um, so he went the whole regular season without throwing a pick. And I know his rushing numbers weren't really eye-popping. He had like 370 yards rushing, something like that. It wasn't extremely impressive. But the guy runs a 4-4. Like, I just don't know if... They didn't if they because I heard something last year uh, with I thought it was very interesting. Justin Herbert didn't really get to showcase his rushing ability into the Rose Bowl last year because the coaches basically said, "Hey, you have a we have a no rushing policy. You are not to run out of the yeah. pocket like unless yeah. unless you absolutely have to." And I wonder if Justin Fields maybe had that kind of restriction because it's weird to see a guy with his athleticism only run for like three hundred and some yards, like not a lot. And so I don't know if maybe he was limited on if he could run or if he was if he was held back. But the guy is an extremely elite athlete. He has an ext- he had an extremely good year passing the football last year in Ryan Day's system. So 
Uh, I think he's clearly the number two prospect. And number one is Trevor Lawrence. I had no surprise there. I don't think really a lot has to be added. This guy has been groomed to be the number one overall pick since he was a high school senior. Elite size, elite athleticism, an elite arm. I mean, everything about this guy is just elite. Elite competitiveness, an elite record. He went out and, and, and won a national title as a true freshman, then lost in the national championship game. By the way, they were winning in the second half before it all fell apart. Um, to the best team probably ever in college football, you know, LSU Tigers. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, easy number one. Uh, he's your number one pick next year. I, I don't think regardless of who's picking, someone will trade up and take him if the number one team doesn't need a quarterback. What's up, Prospects 101 fans? Sorry for the interruption, but I'd love to talk to you about some of our awesome sponsors real quick. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, the stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Yeah, one yeah I'd like to throw this out to you guys because I think it's an interesting topic. Uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed in the national championship game, you know, between Clemson and LSU is that there's no doubt about it. Like, you lose a team that may be considered the greatest team ever. It is what it is, right? You kind of tip your cap to them, and you go to the locker room, and you get ready for next season. I'm extremely curious to watch Trevor Lawrence's response to that because in the second half, I, I mean, there, there's no bones about, bones about it. He played awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't I, – I never would have thought to see in a game – a half like that from Trevor Lawrence, especially with the physical tools and how quick his arm is and and even the the ability to get him going. I mean, it was three and out, three and out. The ball is sailing on him. How many incomplete passes that weren't even close. I mean, it was ugly in the second half. So I I agree with you from a prospect standpoint with, with Trevor Lawrence. The biggest thing that I'm going to take away from what I saw last season is how does he respond? And I think a lot of scouts will look at that as well because it is important, right? Because you're, that LSU defense was stacked with NFL players. What's going to happen when you got to do that on Sunday, right? When you're a little bit unfazed. I mean, to be honest with you, that's probably the first time that he's really dealt with that it's much adversity in, yep. in a game in four years. ever, right? <laughs> I mean, ever. I'm middle school, elementary school. So I'll be very curious to see how, how he responds. I have no doubt that that he will. I mean, that's he's a he's a big time competitor. That program, in my opinion, I think is is just as good, if not the best program in the country. I would argue it is the best program in the country um, for what they've done the last three or four years. Yeah. The recruiting classes, the development, the NFL players they're sending, the amount of wins that they've gotten. I would argue that they're the best. So I, I think he's going to bounce back and have a fantastic twenty twenty season and be that first overall draft pick in the class. Now I'll go ahead and get into mine. I think the top two are going to be pretty similar. Um, You know, I'll get to them when I get to them and really not a whole lot to say. Uh, But I'll first start with my number five. Uh, My five is going to be Jamie Newman. 
Um, physically, I think he's got what you look for. I think he's got the size. I think he's got the arm. The reason I have him at five is because at Wake, they ran kind of that unique RPO offense with the weird mesh point. <laughs> I'm not sure how that's how those skills translate to an NFL offense at this time. I think eventually it possibly could. Um, I think a lot really depends on how he performs in 2020. If he goes to Georgia and he lights it up, 3,000 you know, 3, yards, completion percentage of above 65, right? And you know, he's averaging high 200, low 300 a game, good touchdown to interception ratio. He could easily move up to number three in, in, in my ranking. I'm just not sure it's there for me yet because of what he, the offense they ran at Wake Forest. Well, you know what's funny So is, I think a lot depends on 2020 for me with Jamie Newman. Kenny, I, correct me if I'm wrong, his wide receiver core probably is better at Wake Forest uh, than it is going to be at Georgia. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Georgia's probably got more four- and five-star wide receivers there. Um, but, you know, they have, who knows if they've developed or not. But, yeah, Wake Forest's returning receiving core. you got Sage Surratt, who – uh, was all ACC. You've got Donovan Green, who's the highest-rated Wake Forest recruit of all time, who played as a true freshman last year and lit it up and had a very good um, performance with Jamie with Jamie Newman. And then Nolan Garou, uh, another four-star guy who's going to be in the slot this year. Uh, again, he's the third highest recruit in Wake Forest history. So Wake's receiving core is really good. I, I think it will be comparable to Georgia's, but again. Uh, you know, if Georgia develops like it should, I'm sure they probably got two or three five stars yeah, starting. Yeah. George, in George Pickens, obviously. But yeah, go ahead, Glass, not to interrupt uh, you. I'm, I'm going to go uh, KJ Costello, my number four. Um, you, you know, Kenny touched him on on him earlier. My pro comparison with him is Kirk Cousins. I think physically he's got the tools. I'd like to see him play um, bigger and better in bigger games. I guess I could say. I, I think for that, that'll really kind of solidis- solidify kind of his draft status to me and I think the best thing for him when it came to being NFL ready is exactly what he did right he transferred to that air raid offense and how that translates against SEC defense and if he can prove that he can play at an extremely high level against the nation's best defenses and maybe the nation's toughest division of any conference the SEC West I could easily see him being a day one pick uh, in the second or third round based on his development in Mike Leach's offense. Now, my number three is interesting. This this guy didn't exist on either year two. You guys went with Trey Lance. I I, I like Lance um, a lot, actually. I think that he had a lot more. I think his passing statistics had a lot to do with his ability to be a dual threat more than it did be him like a kind of your prolific pocket passer. Like when Wentz was coming out, right? Kind of your under center one to two tight end, you know, your 21 personnel, play action, boot game, and he just had a massive arm, right? I think Lance is a little bit different. They can put Lance in the gun, and he's really more of a dual threat. And, yeah, I think his stats are outstanding. I'd like to see what he does coming up this season against the likes of Oregon, right? I believe that North Dakota State opens up at Oregon. Big test, That's a big test, and that's a big test early. That's going to tell me how NFL ready he is. So I'm not ready to put him in my top five. So I went with Sam Ell- uh, Ellinger out of Texas, and who this might one, who, who might be the most disrespected quarterback boo. prospect out there. Oh my gosh, dude! His <laughs> stats are unbelievable. What he's done from 2017 and what he did last year. Tell you what, Texas's fault weren't weren't his fault. 
I mean, they can't play defense on at Texas. It, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to watch. Had a pretty pretty great. I mean, he has been statistically he has gotten better every season. Completion yeah. percentage has gone up every season. His passing yards have gone up. His average per throw has gone up. His touchdowns have gone up. His touchdown to interception radio ratio has improved, right? And his quarterback rating has improved. And he had an outstanding season last season. The only thing that worries about him is durability. Um, I know he's been dur- durable in college. He's done really well in rushing. You know, ru- I mean, he's you know he rushed for 163 times last season, 663 yards, seven touchdowns. I'm a little bit worried about a, a helmet to the knee, right? I'm a little bit worried about kind of as the physicals come in, um, how you know how much did all this rushing and him really shouldering the Texas offense really take a toll on his body? And, and can he point. be able to handle an NFL offense and NFL hits um, at the next level with how much that he's taken at Texas? Um, I think the talent is there. I love the arm strength. I love the leadership. Um, I love the competitiveness out of this player. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he can do in 2020 because I think with a, a solid 2020, I think he could easily be a first or second round pick. So that's what I have him at three. Two, number two, number one, you know, no shocker here. I got Fields at two. I got Lawrence at one. The yeah. only thing I'll say about Fields that I think is interesting, Kenny brought up a great point, is that he's he's such an incredible athlete. Right, he runs a four 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 five forty, and yet they really don't use him like that at at Ohio State. And I think for the reason that you said is one hundred percent one hundred percent right. They don't need him to be that dual threat guy, right? And and if anything, I mean, he shared the backfield with J.K. Dobbins last year, and Dobbins was the home run threat. They they want the running back to be the home run threat. They don't necessarily need Fields to be that home run threat in the running game. They just need him enough to where that they can get a lot more man-to-man coverage, and that play-action game opens wide up. I mean, Fields' arm is outstanding. Um, his his pocket presence is impressive. I will say this. I don't think he was really challenged last year as far <laughs> as how he handles the blitz. H- how does he handle when the pocket breaks down? I mean, he just kind of always seemed comfortable out there and, and really easy to distribute the ball. But the tools are there. I mean... If he if he came out in another class, he may be the number one ranked quarterback out there. Um, but just so happened to be behind Trevor Lawrence. Trevor yep. Lawrence, no doubt, number one. Well, I'll kind of echo what I said earlier. Uh, Lawrence will be super interesting to see how he responds here in 2020. Physically, he's got the tools. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but mentally, let's see where he's at after kind of that poor second half performance against LSU. Hey, Gus, is there any prospect that you see after breaking down their film that we haven't mentioned yet that you think can sneak in with a good year uh, to say first, maybe second round that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, I'm going to go second round projection for this guy, but I'm going to go Kellen Mond. Um, you know, yeah. kind of when I looked at all the quarterback prospects that are able to come out 2021, 20, the, the only one that really stood out to me from an NFL perspective that could possibly make that jump and, and be a steal in day one or possibly day two would have been him. Um, he's an incredible athlete, dual threat guy, great arm, and he has a lot of wow throws, right? If you look at this film at Texas A&M, you know, there's a lot of throws that you're like, man, that's, that's big league, right? I, I still think he's a project, though. I, I think big thing with Ken Lamont is consistency. Can he remain consistently, do- can he remain consistent at a dominant level 
for more than just a series or two, right? Can he do that throughout the whole game? And he's always going to be tested because he plays in the SEC West. So he's always going to have to play against Alabama. He's always going to have to play against LSU. He's going to have to play against Mississippi, Mississippi State. He's, he's going to be challenged. Can he, can he live up to that challenge? Johnny Manziel lived up to, lived up to that challenge, right? So um, uh, Tua lived up to that challenge. By when they were challenged every single week in the tough SEC West, mm-hmm. they were able mm-hmm. to perform at an extremely high level. Jake Fromm, same thing. Kellen not there yet. So I think within outstanding 2020, I think he could definitely be a sleeper to be a first-round pick because he certainly has the tangible uh, the tangible tools to do it. Yeah, I like a good that. Pick. Uh, I'm curious uh, if he doesn't have a good year, how many more years Jimbo Fisher has. I feel like he came in with a lot of hype and hasn't <laughs> necessarily delivered, even though he has had pretty outstanding recruiting classes uh, I, from the high school ranks. I think he's got a little bit of a leash because he signed, what, a 10-year, $70 million deal? I don't think they can afford to fire him and pay his buyout. Who's his agent? Good God. I don't know, yeah, but didn't they have to – Yeah, and they had to pay his buyout to get him out of Florida State. So I think Texas A&M is going to be stuck with Jimbo for a minute. No, and that's fine. Look, dude, the, the, name of, the name of the game in college is recruiting. And if you can recruit, you're going to be just fine. Um, and, and not only that, not only can he recruit, but he has a good pedigree from the offensive standpoint. I kind of go with Kenny on this. I think he has plenty of a, a, a leash. I think is, as long as they're competitive in the SEC West and they can qualify for New Year's Day Bowls like consistently or be consistently one, you know, first, second, or third in the SEC West, I think he's going to be fine. I think it, when it comes down to recruiting and to win at Texas A&M, you have to get that Johnny Manziel. You have to get the, the Tua. You have to get the Cam Newton. You, you got to be able to bring in generational talents in order to win in the sec unless you're alabama i mean that that's yeah. really the only the only use case where that doesn't work like even with lsu i mean they've had great defenses and great offensive skill players for two decades but they weren't able to put it together until a guy named joe burrow came on the scene yep. and performed in maybe the best statistical and and certainly besides Reggie Bush is the best college player I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, well, so I, I think I think Jimbo's got plenty of time down there to, to put it together. Just takes one or fu- two special players to do it. And it's funny you bring that up because Kellen Mond said the exact same thing. He said the, the recruiting classes we've had and the talent we have on this roster, why can't we be this year's LSU? Like he yeah. literally said that a couple days ago. A hey, yeah. hey, real quick question before we move on. Is there any way Justin Fields jumps Trevor Lawrence in the draft? Like, what does Lawrence have to do to not be picked number one? Man, he's got to absolutely fall apart. I mean, historically fall apart. Either that or, you know, either that or, and I hope, I don't even want to think about this, have some sort of catastrophic injury, like to where they don't know if he's going to, like, be themselves again. But other than that, there's just no way. I mean, his, his body, he's got two years of unbelievable body of work. Um you know, he's got the size and everything you'd want in a quarterback. He's got the athleticism you want in a quarterback. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know how you jump him. Yeah, I don't Unless know. Unless he just absolutely falls apart. Yeah, I mean, say he loses three or four games this year, and then Trevor, or Justin Fields goes on to win the national championship. I think you do start to question some of these big time games. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even been. know if I don't even know if I that actually, would be enough. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I think from a pro prospect perspective, I think these two are closer than people think. I agree. Really? Um, That's kind of why I, I raised I, that question. I do. No, no, I'm kind of with you, Pastel. I think that if Fields has an unbelievable season and Lawrence, say they lose three or four games and ha- has a good season but maybe not a great season, um, and then mentally 
Yeah, you know, maybe the trend I don't want to see with Trevor Lawrence is what I saw in the national championship game, which is a good first half, an atrocious second half, right? I mean, it was, it was bad. It was ugly to watch. And I remember I was texting you guys. I couldn't believe what I was watching that a guy that had been so good all year just seemed to totally flop on the national stage and saying that the season before against Alabama on the national stage, he performed um, beyond impressively. So I think it's got to, it's going to take Lawrence to have an average season and then Fields to be clearly the best player in the country for him to jump him. Just, just, just from almost a reputation standpoint, I feel like Lawrence now for two years, everybody has just completely talked him up. And I, I don't think that that goes away. I think that reputation will still be there um, unless, you know, just totally flip. But I think – Subjectively, I think these two guys are closer than people think. I really do. Blue Chew! Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? I don't know which guy isn't. Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Now we're going to pivot a little bit here. We're not going to go very far uh, missing out on a teammate of Trevor Lawrence. We're going to focus on our top five running backs in this 2021 class. This one's a little bit more cut and dry, I feel like, fellas. Um, I think the class is good. It's, it's certainly top heavy. Um, you're, you're one, two, and threes are pretty consistent on all of our lists. But any initial thoughts on this class? Yeah, I think it's a I think you think it's weak? I think it's a pretty decent class, man. I like I like the I think the I don't think it's you know, a top top class, but I think it's better than than this year's class to be honest, the 2020 class in my opinion. I think it's better. Uh, I don't know, man. I thought there was some pretty good runner. There was no uh, Leonard Fortnette this past year. There was no top 10 worthy pick. But there was definitely five people that I think could have got drafted day two pick or day one pick, like that type of uh, – and there probably was five this past year. This year, I might have those grades on three running backs, like a day two pick worth. Wow. Yeah, I, I think overall it's pretty weak. There's guys with potential. I, th- I think there's I think there's two first-rounder, and I'm not a big take a running back in the first round, but I think there's two guys who are going to go in the first round, and I think there's three. I think I think I have my top five going in either day one or day two. Well, shoot, kick it off, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but say it's all you. Educate so, a school. So, so and at the at the risk of sounding like a, a a Mississippi State Bulldogs homer, I promise you, I'm not. My number five is Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Um, I know I talked about KJ, KJ Costello here recently and Mike Leach a lot, but man, I just like what this guy brings to the table. He's 5'11, 215. 
Uh, he's got really good speed. What I liked most about what he does is he's a guy who – and Brandon, you, Pastel, you and I have talked about this extensively. Yep. If you watch his film, he gets the ball and he cuts inside and then he goes. Absolutely. Like he's able to bang inside and, and hit the gaps and shoot the, and shoot the holes – and really take off to the next level. And he's not having to bounce everything outside and, and try and beat somebody with his athleticism. Now, he could do that, I'm sure, because he's very athletic. But I like his inside running. He's a tough inside runner. He's good around the goal line. He had 10 touchdowns last year. He's a decent receiver. He's had 22 receptions the year before, 18. What I'm very curious about is to see how he fits in the Mike Leach's offense. Because if you remember, Max Borgie was one of the big names in Mike Leach's offense at Wazoo last year. Yep. And he kind Kind of was that hybrid player. So I think if Kylan can really show that he can catch the ball and make plays out of the backfield, which I don't doubt that he can based on his athleticism, I think that'll really boost his stock a lot to perhaps jump up from higher than number five on my list. Um, number four, I have Jartavius Whitlow. This guy, I kind of have a man crush on, man. He's such an old school banger, but I think He's athletic, athletic enough to where he can survive in the new NFL. And what I thought was very interesting about him is, you know, his 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 yak, his yards after contact are phenomenal. When you watch the film, this guy just does not go down. What I think he lacks a little bit athleticism. A he makes up in size. He's six foot two seventeen, but he just does not go down those legs continue to move and that's a skill set you can't teach when you see that on film those guys either have it or they don't those guys who move piles are like wait how did he get out of that tackle that's the kind of that's what he has mixed in with a decent amount of athleticism the only thing i'm concerned about my only concern i have with him is he hasn't carried the full load yet He's been in a running back by committee in college, but this year promises to be a year where he has the full rock, and I think he's going to absolutely explode with it, especially with the progression of Bo Nix. You know, Bo Nix gets better. It's going to create a little bit more of a running running room for him. I think we're really going to be able to see what kind of running back he is. Uh, my number three doesn't even leave the state of Alabama, and it's Najee Harris uh, from from the University of Alabama. 6'2", 230. I mean, what... Dude, love this guy. They, I absolutely love this guy. Alabama just recruits monsters at the running back position. Derrick Henry, Post Scarborough, Najee Harris. Yeah, they're all 6'2", 6'3", 230, 240 pounds. With like like the dreads coming out of the back of the helmet and They're everything. monsters, man. And Najee Harris is just another guy in a long lineage of great Alabama running backs. I didn't even mention Mark Ingram, uh, Trent Richardson, guys like that. So, um, you know, he took, he took, you know, he averaged over six yards a carry his freshman and sophomore years. He finally got the, the rock all to himself last year. And what does he do? He averages 5.9 yards a carry, 30 catches. Um, you know, it had multiple jaw dropping plays. I think, I can't remember, I can't remember what it was, what team it was against, but the film where he like spins out of two tackles and hurdles somebody going across the goal line. It was like a 70 yard touchdown run. It was disgusting. Crossing right, Najee Harris inside the 30, broke a tackle, a hurdle, and the sideline, and a touchdown. What a catch and run. Um, you don't see that from guys who are 6'2", 230. Like you just normally those guys are running over running over you, not like above you, not jumping over you, hitting you with devastating spin oh, yeah, moves. He's athletic. It's it's unbelievable. So I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, a second year. But there's no reason to think he won't um, build on the success he had uh, last year. My number two, Travis Etienne. This guy is an absolute home run threat. 
five ten, two ten. But just I mean, look at his yards per carry, guys. His freshman year seven point two. His sophomore year eight point one, and then his and then his junior year seven point eight. By the way, this isn't on like forty carries. This is one hundred seven carries, two hundred four carries, two hundred seven carries. This is sustained carries. Like I think this guy is an absolute monster. He's he's good at catching the ball in the backfield. He had thirty seven catches for four hundred thirty two yards last year. So he shows he can he can be dynamic when not with the ball not in his hand initially. Uh, my only concern is 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 this his ceiling? Because I I just don't I don't see him getting that much better. I feel like physically he's tapped out. He doesn't have a lot of weight to put on. He's not going to get a lot bigger. He's a little undersized. But he is explosive. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Jamal Charles a little bit, like a bigger mm. Jamal Charles. I like that. that. I, I like maybe that he, comparison. I, I don't know if he has that exact lightning track speed that Jamal Charles has, but he's very close. That's that's who he reminds me of as a running back, and he's one of the guys I have a first-round grade on. Yes. Um, and then my, my number one guy, Chuba Hubbard. I think this guy is going to be a top 15 pick next year. He's 6'1", 207. He runs a 4-3-40. That's what he was clocked at at Oklahoma State. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a pro day, but they had like a simulated pro day. He, he ran a 4-3. Um, oh, the Canadian. He, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, side note, there was a lot of Canadian players drafted this year. They kept bringing that up on ESPN. That's, that's something to keep an eye on. It seems to be a, a growing trend of Canadian athletes coming down and playing NCAA football. It's, it's, yep. it's fun to watch to see the game expand. But back to Chuba Hubbard, this guy was an absolute beast. You know, Oklahoma State didn't necessarily have the best supporting cast around him last year. Tylen Wallace got hurt. They had a ton of injuries at receiver. Spencer Sanders was banged up and was a freshman, you know, trying to figure his way out. But all Chuba Hubbard did was run for 2,000 yards at a 6.4 yards a clip, 21 touchdowns. Um, he's aver- He averaged over six yards a carry his freshman year when he was split in time the year before. He was a decent. He was a decent. He was decent out of the out of the backfield with twenty three catches and two hundred yards receiving. Pretty pretty standard. What he did the year before as well. He's just a dynamic athlete who can run around. And again, like back to what I talked about earlier, Pastel uh, and I talked about this on film. He does a lot of stuff well inside. Like he can bang inside. He's a bigger guy. Um, I love him. I think he's an elite pro prospect, and I think he'll be a top fifteen pick next year. Well, I'm not going to surprise anybody because all five running backs that you talked about, Kenny, I'm going to talk about. Other than <laughs> I have a lot of ones that are different. Um, I, I have them di- different. And here's what I'll say about this class. I think the top three on my list are are, are first and second round picks. There's no doubt about it. I, I think what this class lacks, in my opinion, is a versatile running back. And what I mean by that, a guy who can catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. He could be super dynamic in the passing game. I think a lot of these guys are kind of your traditional bell cow running backs, right? They're your first, second down guys. I'm not sure I see any three down guys here. I And, and, and I'll explain why. So uh, the first guy I'll kind of talk about, uh, J- uh, J- I always screw this guy's name up. J- Jartavius. Jafaris, Whitlow. Um, I think he's I think he's a nice running back. I, I, I don't nothing kind of jumps off of the page for me with him. I think he's a solid SEC running back who, you know, maybe uh, probably going to be a split role. He actually actually reminds me of uh, Cameron Artis Payne is who he reminds me of. I mean, a guy that we used to talk about when we 
you know, we're watching the XFL and kind of breaking down some of that. That's what he reminds me of. His camera artist pain is just a different, a different number, similar skill set. I think he's a nice running back, but I have him at five. Um, Kylan Hill, I think, is another bell cow guy. Um, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Leach uses him because they have kind of a, a nice stable of skill players now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you have you bring in J.K. Costello. You've got the air raid offense. I wonder how much they're going to use him opposed to just kind of winging it out uh, at Mississippi State. Um, I think, it, again, another nice SEC running back. It doesn't really does, He doesn't really do it for me, though, and that's kind of what I mean. I think there's these top three running backs, and then there's every, everyone else. Um, now we get into number three for me. Now we get the fun stuff. We get into Najee Harris, and this guy, fellas, is an absolute – like a refrigerator with with legs on him. I mean, just completely impossible to tackle. I mean, he, he's out there. He's a Derrick Henry comparison. You can't you can't argue that. I mean, the momentum that gets behind him when he gets going, he's almost impossible to stop. Six two two thirty, and I think he's a lot more athletic than people give him credit for for being that big. I really like how he runs the zone scheme. I like how he runs. Uh, the power schemes that re- they run at Alabama. So I-, I think he's one of the better running back prospects we've seen come out of Alabama uh, in-, in a while. Again, I think it's like him and uh, Derrick Henry. Um, I was never really that big on Ingram. I was never really that big on Trent Williams. I think Najee Harris is a better prospect than both of those guys. Um, that gives me num- my uh, number two, who was Kenny's number one, is Chubba Hubbard. Uh, this guy really took college football by storm. He can really do it all. He can run inside. He can run outside. He can be a banger. Um, out of all of these running backs, I think he's probably the best option from a being able to catch the ball out of the backfield perspective. Uh, none of these guys really do that all too well. I think Hubbard does it better than all of them. So I think if you're looking for a dynamic three down running back i think hubbard is probably your guy uh just like you said kenny he is a first gra- first round draft pick for me um and there's no doubt about yep. it i think he's a guy yep. that can play play at the nfl level i think play for a long time um really kind of took took all of us by storm but guys the guy that i want to talk about and in my opinion the best running back prospect to come out since uh leonard Fournette is travis etienne I absolutely love how this guy plays. I think the momentum that he gets when he gets the ball in his hands, I mean, he's like a sprinter out there. He's the only player out of this running back class that I think is a home run hit every time he touches the ball, a lot like J.K. Dobbins was, right? He's just super fast out of the blocks. He's got these wide, these long strides that once he gets to the open field, man, I don't know if anybody's going to be able to tackle this guy. And I think he's good. He's been able to do it at Clemson. He's been able to do it in big games at Clemson. And just when I look at this guy from the eye test, I'm like, this guy's a can't-miss prospect. He can do it when quarterback's under center. He can do the zone game. He can do the power game. Um, I think this guy's a can't-miss. Can't the, the only knock about him is he doesn't catch balls out of the backfield. It's the only thing he doesn't do. And he hasn't been able to do it at Clemson. Um, basically because they don't ask him to do it, right? I'm sure he could, he could probably do it. Maybe that's something that they incorporate in 2020 a little bit. But um, if you had a knock against him, that would be it. But I think Etienne's a, a, a top 15 pick. I think he's a guy that you could build your offense around and, co- and complement a really good uh, 
a really good quarterback or even a young quarterback and, and can really help you in the offensive game. You, you do bring up a good point, Gless, with when he hits the hole. Yeah, that at, when watching his film, that is by far the most impressive thing about him is when he gets the ball from Trevor Lawrence, like if Trevor Lawrence is under center and he, he drops back to, to hand the ball off, uh, maybe like an eye formation or something like that, he has the ball. He's almost at top speed by the time he gets the ball. Like it's yeah. it's incredible how fast he can go from zero to to gone, and, and by the time he gets to the line of scrimmage, he, you blink and he's past the D line. He's already in the second and third level, just gone. Um, which yeah. I think you know, you look at his yards per carry. That's a pretty duh statement, but like turn on the film and just watch how fast he gets to the line of scrimmage. It's it's unbelievable. I, I think maybe if you had to nitpick, maybe his run blocking probably isn't the best, and does his frame support being a solid run blocker right in the in the past game at the next level and who knows i mean he has all 2020 to figure it out um get my, better at it work at uh, it and kind of my my two, the the, best how i how i distributed between etienne and hubbard because i thought they were very similar was the frame that was my biggest thing was i thought chubber hubbard at the next level his frame is going to lead to more production and less you know injuries or, or injury issues or, or you know, nicks and, and, and stuff like that. I just think he'll be able to handle the load a little bit more than Travis Etienne is going to be able to at the next level. Yeah, and I think when you talk about pass blocking uh, from a running back standpoint, it's how willing you are. I think it's not necessarily frame-based, even though obviously it helps if you're a bigger running back, but you just got to be willing uh, to stop somebody for that extra second while the quarterback avoids that pressure. So I think he, that's something if you are going to pick it, possibly, but I think that's something that he can absolutely work on. Hey, yeah. you you know yeah. who you, you know who you know who said forget the frame argument when pass blocking MJD. Remember when he laid out Sean Merriman lights oh out. Oh my gosh, I love that one. That's one of my favorite one. highlights. Ground now, now, I I want Brandon to cover number five because you, speaking of guys that we didn't that Kenny or I didn't have on the list, he brought up uh, his, his number five is going to be very interesting because it comes from a place that has, you know, maybe one of the best offensive line in the country yep. in the Oregon Ducks. Yep, C.J. Verdell. And this is one of those modern-day alum. I mean, modern-day must be producing Division One talent, like 10 guys a year, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, he rushed for 2,400 yeah, yards and 36 TDs his senior year. Absurd stats. Uh, but he's one of those guys. He's 5'9", 210, probably DeAndre Swift. Uh, if you want to compare him to somebody as far as a body t- uh, type, that's probably a good one to look at. And he's had close to 1,000 yards his first two years in the Pac- uh, Pac-12. But you really saw that Pac-12 championship, and I'm sure you saw it, Glessner. The dude rushed for 208 yards and three TDs, and it was like, man, you kind of everybody was just waiting for it to click uh, with this guy, and it clicked that last game. And now I'm more curious. And that's why I have him at five because I'm curious if he can continue that momentum, which I think he will, with probably one of the most dominating offensive lines in college football next year, to really actually breaks through and gets that 1,500 yards. And the great thing about him, and what is so enticing on the NFL level, is he both years. I think his longest run, I think last year was 89 yards. The year before that was like 74, 75 yards. He's a home run threat. And who doesn't want that on their NFL roster? So that's my, uh, that's my number five. I'm going to go quickly through uh, some of these guys. And I'm just, I don't want to double tap everything everyone says. So for C.J. Fredell, mm-hmm. honestly, I think it's a third-round grade. I say all those things saying he's probably not even a, a second-round player. Uh, mm-hmm. Hill from Mississippi State, again, I think he's a natural runner. I think he's a good overall runner. I'm curious to see how he does in that uh, – that Mike Leach offense, but I still probably put a, a third round grade on him. And then I don't think there really is a second round running back. I think these next guys are all first round running backs. Najee Harris might slip into that second round, 
Um, but the one thing you guys didn't mention about Najee Harris is one of his best attributes is probably catching the football out of the backfield. It wasn't just no swing pass. He would go out and run routes, mm-hmm. uh, 10, 15 yard routes, and go catch it with his hands away from his chest, which is something you rarely see in a running back's ability to do that. Um, he goes up and he, cont- he gets contested catches, which I think is a very underrated uh, trait of Najee Harris, which makes him a third down, a three down running back. Uh, Chubby uh, Hubbard, obviously a phenomenal running back. The one thing I like about him is he's kind of Le'Veon Bell esque, as in he's very patient in the hole, but then when he goes to that hole, he's gone. Like he just explodes through the hole. Um, but he has very good patience and be- ability to read the hole. My number one, and I say he's a first-round running back, probably top 20. Same with Trevor Etienne. That's kind of 1A, 1B for me, um, both top 20 running backs. I don't think there is a top 10 running back, um, just because running back is such a rare position to draft in top 10 these days. Um, but he's, he's one of those running backs. He's great at everything, or good at everything, above average at everything. I don't know if he's necessarily great at anything besides explosiveness. Um, but he's just a, such an overall, does everything so good. I would say the one thing that worries me is that he's so explosive that sometimes he doesn't read the hole to go through. And he can get away with it at the college level because he just blows by everybody. Uh, but I, I do think he's got to get a little bit better at reading his blocks and let, let plays develop and slow it down for him. He can get away with it at Clemson. Uh, but I, I think that's something that he could, if, if there's anything to nitpick, that's something that he might want to work on uh, Mm-hmm. at the pro- professional level. Overall, though, I see two first-round picks, maybe a second in Najee Harris. Everybody else is third and later. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying with Glessner. Like, I think it's very – if you want to say top-heavy for a normal running back class, but the, the depth and the, the meat and potatoes of like the NFL draft, like, I don't see those running backs necessarily there. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I thought this year's class was certainly a lot deeper than, than 2021. Like I, I just don't I, – you know, aside from the top three guys, I'll be honest with you, I just – I'm not sure I really – I really love any of these guys. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, hey Kenny, kind of like I do with Glessner earlier. How about you give me a sleeper pick uh, for the running back position? Yeah, so I kind of I kind of teed this up a little earlier when talking about is there a new running back you in, in college football? And that's kind of being a little funny, but to be honest, listen to the listen to the foot listen to the footsteps this guy's following in. Daryl Henderson, NFL. Tony Pollard, NFL. Patrick Taylor, NFL. Antonio Gibson, kind of a Swiss Army knife, but NFL. Kenny Gainwell is my sleeper from Memphis, mm. and Memphis has had some outstanding running backs, yeah, and right. he might be he might be the best one of the bunch. Guy, all he did last year was beat out Patrick Taylor, by the way, for starting for the starting running back as a redshirt freshman. Ran for fifteen hundred yards, six point three yards a clip, thirteen touchdowns. But here's what was really impressive to me: he had fifty one receptions for six hundred and ten yards out of the backfield and three touchdowns, giving him 2,000 total yards from scrimmage this year. I think this guy is an absolute stud. He's 5'11", 190. I think he's got a little bit of room to grow in terms of size. So I, the, that's the reason I don't have him in my top five. And he's also a redshirt sophomore. Who knows if he'll be ready to, to enter, enter the draft after this year or not. But if all goes well, if he has another season like that or even progresses like that, I would not be stunned if this guy is in the top five, top four discussion going into the 2021 draft as a redshirt sophomore. He's an absolute dynamite playmaker and and can play with how the NFL is going with that guy who can be out there all three downs. He can be a first down running back and then stand out there and catch the ball in the backfield on third down. He can go out and be in the slot and catch passes. Like This guy's a dynamic playmaker 
with the ball in his hands. And I'm really excited to see this next step he can take as a, as a sophomore. Also a guy I think you missed in that list of famous Memphis running backs. And maybe I just missed him. Uh, D'Angelo Williams. Well, yeah, yeah, yes. D'Angelo Williams was, yes, I, I didn't miss him. These are guys who have played in the last like five years at Memphis. Gotcha. Okay. So it was kind of that streak. It was just more of that streak. Like Henderson, Pollard, Taylor, Gibson gotcha. have all made gotcha. the NFL in the last like five years from Memphis. Gotcha. Well, anyways, we're going to continue our tradition here on Prospects 101 on how we end the show on covering a prospect to watch. So, Pasto, who do you have for this episode? Yeah, I want to be clear here, too, with this prospect to watch. It's not always going to be as easy as the guy I'm about to pick. We're going to go in-depth <laughs> with some guys in the later rounds. But I'm just so enamored uh, by Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State. I just want to make sure we talk about him because I think the mm-hmm. – the standard linebacker, the middle linebacker, it's almost like a dying breed these days in the NFL where you see a lot of two linebacker sets. And the, all these guys are very athletic. There are sometimes uh, prior safeties in college that have learned to play more in the box and they develop into linebackers. Well, this guy, Michael Parsons, he came in telling uh, James Franklin, hey, I want to play middle linebacker. Instead of defensive end, instead of anything else, play middle linebacker. And he not only has he excelled, he's broken records. He he led the team as a true freshman at linebacker, even though they only started one game with 82 tackles. No one's ever done that in Penn State. And that's and they are a linebacker university, and there's no question about it. Uh, his sophomore year, he had 109 tackles, five sacks, three deflective passes, and three forced fumbles, not to mention the defensive MVP of the uh, Cotton Bowl. And there's your defensive player of the game, Micah Parsons. With some great numbers, 14 tackles, seven solo, a couple of sacks, three tackles for loss, and two forced fumbles. I mean, his, his performance was not, it was not only dominating, it was jaw-dropping. Uh, it was unbelievable, and it's one of those guys, and that, this, that was versus Memphis. He was covering uh, those run backs, that, the running back was a Gibson that just got drafted by the Redskins. Yeah. I think he, like, he was c- covering him, and I think he picked off a pass that uh, game. Like, he, these athletes that you think are that good, he was able to cover those guys. Um, so the greatest thing about him is not only he's a three-down linebacker in, in today's NFL. He's a, and you have to be good at usually three things to be a, a linebacker like that. And that's one, you got to be able to cover, you got to be able to rush, and you got to be a force in the run game. So at 6'3 and at 245 pounds, he runs a 4'640. He's able to do all three of those. And it's unbelievable uh, to see a linebacker in today's college game to be able to do that. I think you can say Isaiah Simmons, uh, but Isaiah Simmons was kind of like Glessner said in an earlier segment, he was so great at every single thing. He was a freak of nature. But the question in, at the professional level is, is he going to find a niche on the, yeah. on the defense? And I, there is no question about Michael Parsons. He's going to be a middle linebacker in the NFL, and he's going to be one of the best ones from day one. Well, I, I think Micah Parsons just is continuing that trend of, of what we're seeing from the linebacker position. These, these kind of guys, these, like you said, these Swiss Army knife kind of guys who can do a little bit of everything really, really, really good. Um, what, what, what impresses me about Parsons is he came in at 215 and he's 245 now and he hasn't lost his, like he hasn't lost his athleticism like it didn't make him slower he didn't lose a step he's still able to do he was a running back yeah and he played he was a running back in high school 27 and, touchdowns in high school yeah <laughs> like I mean the guy is just an absolute athlete and, and I think it's just a, a natural progression of defenses trying to now catch up to the offense you know the offenses have have kind of been so innovative the last decade that defenses are now starting to innovate with these guys guys who they get on defense that can just do a bit of everything they can rush the passer they can cover they can they can spy they can do you know, they can drop back and, and play a zone they can play man to man I mean it's it's 
it's really impressive to me that that yeah. the new crop of linebackers that are that we're starting to see. Yeah, I think what really stands out to me, guys, is the uh, tackle for loss that he had, and he had 14 as a middle linebacker. And what that tells me, he's extremely instinctive, mm-hmm. right? He's able to read his keys and move and move fast, and essentially beat the running back or, or the quarterback to the hole, right? And, and I think that's what's so impressive about him. I will also know that he wears number 11. Can you guys name another? Famous Penn State linebacker who also wore number eleven, Lavar Arrington. That's right, Lavar. Yeah. I will say Micah Parsons will not be a Lavar Arrington, but he would be the second best linebacker at Penn State University when it's all said and done. Wow, that is the hot take of the day. I think we have to end linebacker, it on that one. Yeah, linebacker, you. That's a high praise, Pastel. I'll, I'll, I'll do one more hot take real quick with Micah Parsons. Is he would either have a kick return or a rushing touchdown this year in college football? Interesting. I think he's. Gonna, I think they're gonna get him involved in all. You want to take that bet, Kenny? I know you want to take that bet. I I'll, I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet all day. We'll what see. are we betting, boys? Uh, we'll we'll have to figure that offline. Yeah. We'll, we'll take that one offline. Uh, as always, you can uh, follow and interact with us on social media. That's at Prospects One Hundred and One Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also join us on Discord as well. Uh, for Kenny Pastel and Gless. Uh, sign off, and we will talk to you next time. What's up, football fans? This is Pastel from Prospects 101, brought to you by Blue Wire Pods. Listen to us weekly on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Hit the subscribe button and make sure you leave us a five-star review today.